Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Happy New Year, Jinxie. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. It's exciting to be back. It's always such a like a nice thing. Like I'm not really working at all this week, this first week of the year. And I had just see also essentially in the diary, <laughs> but it didn't feel like work. This is our job now, babe. We're <laughs> clocking in. We're clocking in. Clocking exactly. in for Q1. Yeah, it's Q. Welcome to Q1, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've thought about the cues a little too much this year. I'm ashamed to say. How are you, Jinxie? How was your Chrissy? My Chrissy was really cute and sweet. It was, um, well, actually, before we even get to that stuff, there are things that we haven't even talked about that happened pre-Christmas. Oh my God, you're right. We did so much pre-recording for the Patreon. Yeah, that we have like a little bit of limbo period. We really did. I mean, we got to discuss the Caroline Polachek show. Oh, my God. My friend Caroline. Your friend Caroline. Mm. And I sadly did not get to go to the talk you did with her. How was it? It was so good. Yeah, was she a dream? (laughs) She was a dream. She was... I mean, it's not a surprise to anyone who's, like, engaged with her music or her, like, interviews or anything that she's, like, she's so composed and she's so thoughtful and, like, her kind of approach to her work is so fucking tight and cool and specific but being able to just like ask her to like say more about that uh for an hour in front of an audience who were like just as obsessed with her was like such a dream we did a little gossing in the green room before 
she was kind of hyping me up on stage before we <laughs> went out, which was so cute. I mentioned I hadn't taken beta blockers. And so she was like, I'll be your beta blocker. <sighs> Love it. Listened to like the, the kind of host read out my bio before we went on stage. And she was like, yeah, woo. <laughs> it was really cute and like dorky and like very special. Oh, that's great. And I'm guessing she was pretty generous with her answers. Oh my God. Yeah. She like, she really leaned into like the nature of the event, which was like, talk about your songwriting for an hour and um, didn't rush anything really like was game to kind of follow my little trains of thought. Yeah. And was like funny and cool and hot and amazing. Yeah. It was, it was so great. It's going to be out. Um, one of your also is from ages ago, Jinxie, the RN conversations podcast actually recorded it and will oh, be big re- ideas, big ideas. So they're going to be releasing like the recording. Awesome. It. Yeah. So people oh, can listen back. That is so good to know. Although the Caro fan pages on Instagram <laughs> have, Someone did record a bootleg of the talk and it is online and the fans have been circulating it. So um, it's it's already out if you want a a dodgy version of it. Wow, you've been bootlegged. How do you feel? I feel like the Grateful Dead. I feel grateful and dead. Um, But you went to the show and I went to the show after that. You went to the show on the second night, right? Yeah, I went to the second night. It was really, really good. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Penny Drop. Truly. Wow. Yeah, it was an excellent show. And you know what? It was one of those shows that I almost didn't go to because it was like the Mm. end of the year and I was... A Monday night. Yeah, and I was tired and fuck, so glad that I did make the effort. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was like, I know I said it like several times last year about like Carly Rae Jepsen and Fontaine's DC and a few other shows last year where all at the forum, coincidentally, I was like, gig of top 10 gig of my life but like Caroline Polachek was like top five gig of my life yeah it was an excellent show yeah yeah um and a listener came up to me and introduced herself to me when I was picking up my tickets and that was really sweet but I think I was like shocked by it so I was just like (laughs) rushing into this show anyway it was very sweet I had I also read I completely forgot but I also met a listener after the concert so which is grateful. I'm glad she didn't introduce herself earlier because I would have then been self-conscious about my dancing uh, the whole show. But she was like, I'm the person who recommended you listen to Celebrity Memoir Book Club or Celebrity Book Club. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm grateful to you, girl. Yeah, you should be. Grateful to that chica. <laughs> the other show that I can remember that I loved just as much uh, was the pavement show at the Palais right at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Like it was just... They were in such good form. I had such a good time. I ended up having to go by myself. And like you dancing at Caroline Polachek, I could be as like unfiltered, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like I was just a nerdy little fan yeah. um, by myself drinking like a large rosé in like the third row. Washing to pavement. It was really cute. Yeah. I feel like the biggest pre-Christmas thing that happened in our lives was the patreon not to be a dork but it was yeah it was really exciting to finally launch it it's something that we have talked about launching for so long (laughs) so long we've made so many plans about it and then felt like so many lists of things we would offer people and then we're like can we do this is that legal um and then we felt like self-conscious about it Mm -hmm. and because like just to be clear it's it's not like the podcast is not replacing our job, like we're not full-time podcasters, God, but it's no. more like it takes so much time and 
weird amounts of money. <laughs> really weird, <laughs> sometimes ongoing and sometimes one-off amounts of money to like get a f- audio file to people every week. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really silly when you think about it. It really is. Yeah. And like the original outlay and all that stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Um, but I'm having such a good time with it yeah. and the posts that we can do over there. And I just want to say thank you so much to all the people who did um, sign up in the last couple of weeks to the Hog Hive over on Patreon. I hope that you have enjoyed the first three episodes that we have uh, completely locked up over there, uh, (laughs) two normal episodes from the last two weeks, and then a bonus episode as well. Mm -hmm. So we've had one on like our dreamy weekend itineraries. I did Sydney, BLU did Melbourne, and then we did a best of films, TV, books from last year, and then we did a special When Harry Met Sally, New Year's Eve, Poodle, But yeah, like we've got some exciting things coming up and yeah, thanks. Some bonus episodes already plotted out for the Mm -hmm. next few months. Yeah, it's really nice. It's so cute. And like our our ambitions for it were quite modest. Quite modest. We weren't, we were by no means being like, we're going to pay our rent with Patreon because we'd be, that'd be tough. But uh, yeah, we've already kind of like gone above and beyond our expectations in the first month. And so that's been just like very validating and we're a bit chuffed. Yeah. So thank you. We truly appreciate it. Um, what else happened just before Christmas? I started my newsletter again. Oh my God, that's right. Abracadabra. Yeah. It's called Abracadabra Department. It's on Substack. I started it many years ago and then kind of abandoned it at some point because it had the same sort of flow to our podcast, but Mm -hmm. like pre-podcast. And then the podcast kind of took over and... Now I'm like trying so hard to get back into writing regularly. Mm. Mm. So um, please follow me on (laughs) Substack at Abracadabra Department because that will actually keep me writing this year. It's free. And that's one of your Q1 to Q4 goals, right? It sure is, which we will get to. I think we've got a whole Q1 (laughs) section of today's show. Um, And what else? I had a little holiday cocktail party. You sure did, baby. It's become like an annual event. This was the second installment BL you brought. The hit of the night, some extremely good espresso martinis. I'm really glad that they went down a treat because I'll be honest, Jinxie, you know behind the scenes of my my frantic budgeting and uh, the freelance crawl to the finish line of 2023. And I was like, God, I can't contribute in the outrageous, expensive way I normally like to for parties. Uh, but what I could do was make a big batch of espresso martinis and I'm really glad that everyone enjoyed them. Oh, everyone really enjoyed them. I did. It, it really confirmed to me that shaking a cocktail does something because yeah. I batched that up at home and I tasted it in the big jug that I brought it to your house in. And I was like, hmm, it's a bit like, it's a bit alcoholy. And then I brought them regardless and we shook them up and they were fucking perfect. Lo and behold. Yeah. A delight. I also made Japanese slippers for my New Year's Eve party and the same thing there. Like lemon juice, Midori and Contro. Shake it up with a little cocktail cherry. Perfect. Yeah. My God. A Japanese slipper, an orgasm, your (laughs) cocktail repertoire is going to unexpected places, VL. Yeah. Is it any wonder that I wake up the next morning and feel like I've been stomped on by like a hippo? 
what did you do for Christmas? You went up north. Yeah, I went to Brizzy. Uh, I spent Christmas with my sister, who's an avid listener of the podcast, so she'll be listening to this. Um, we hosted our extended family, like the family who our whole childhoods would always host us, um, which was kind of a bit of a the milestone. Tables the tables have truly turned and we are sitting around them on eskies because we forgot to get enough <laughs> chairs. Sounds great. Yeah. How was your Chrissy in Sydney? Yeah, it was cute. We went to Sydney to have Christmas at my sister's place, which is always such a delight. It's just always a really beautiful spread and like very relaxed. Dear friends always spend Christmas with us. So it's like family and chosen family. Love that. Very 20th century women. Yeah, very 20th century women. But yeah, it was just like really nice. Such a, so nice. And then went to Woolgulga to spend second Christmas with um, my girlfriend's family, which is relaxed. Lovely. Love. Yeah. (laughs) Did like not do very much while I was in Whoopi, as they call it. And uh, just did like jigsaws. Oh, my God. You've become me. Yeah, Yeah, it was good. Because I was like, (laughs) I'm not doing this at home. So I need to get this out of my system. Sure. It was good. I did a lot of, I'm the same. I did a lot of reading. I finally read Crying in H Mart and uh, Memorial by Brian Watt. It was a real like pull books off my bookshelf that I've ignored for many mm, years. Yeah. Um, and just smashed through them on the planes and driving around while my niece was sleeping in the car. It was gorge. Is this so boring for people to listen to me just being like, I drove around. <laughs> well, one of the big highlights for me when I was in Sydney, just around Christmas time was seeing my friend Rosie, my very dear friend Rosie, who has been up in Sydney for a couple of weeks and is returning to Melbourne next week. And I cannot wait, but it was so nice to be able to finally go and see her again yeah. and see her and it was really lovely. Gorge. Top Chef will be so excited, Rosie's home. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And New Year's. How's your New Year's? You did like a lobster boil? Sure did. My friend Anton, uh, my lifelong bestie, we had plans to go to like, I don't know, a French, we wanted to go to Francois or like uh, Paris ago or something. Uh, And then he was like, why don't I host at my house? And it was just going to be the two of us. Then it was going to be three people. I think we ended up feeding about 18 people, (laughs) Great, (laughs) which is always the way, but it was really gorge, like a real assemblage of new and old friends, people I didn't know, people I like have never spent a news with before. And like news is such a weird night. I mean, I'm not saying anything new, but like, I feel like if you go to like a big thing, there's a lot of pressure on it to be like mm. a fun night, capital F, capital N. Um, and if you have a low key one, there's always that thought of like, Oh, could I have had a big fun night tonight? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you feel the same, but, um, it was kind of like there was nothing else I wanted to be doing. I didn't want to be going anywhere else. Like there was no other party or other option that seemed more fun than like cracking the backs of like four lobsters. Mm -hmm. And I made like perfect seafood sauce to dip the like prawn cocktails in. And we had lots of oysters. We did a Preston market shop the night before and Anton and his brother are just like consummate hosts. So yeah, my Japanese slippers went down a treat, babe. (laughs) Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know the last time I drank anything with Midori in it. I'd never had a Japanese slipper. I just wanted to design a cocktail around the cherries. Yeah, well, I have something it's coming Christmas-y, up. It's very Christmassy, Jinxie. Look, I'm afraid I have you beat on the Christmas cocktail and it's coming up at the end of the episode. Okay, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I was going to rim all the glasses with Pop Rocks. 
And then I had the thought of being a bit naughty and just like putting pop rocks in people's drinks unsuspectingly. So there were like fireworks going off all night in our mouths. <laughs> Did you do it? It got to about 2 a.m. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot the pop rocks. Yeah, That's such a 2 a.m. Yeah. That's such a 2 a.m. thought, isn't it? As we were sitting around being like, what did you do this year that you were proud of? What do you want to do in 2024? Yeah, I just had a couple of very dear friends over to our house for New Year's Eve and it was really nice. Yeah. But we did not get into the like, how was your year? Yeah. Yeah. And just like that side of things. Oh my God. And just a real housewives move to sit around a table and be like, let's play a game. Everyone go around and say who you hate. <laughs> Whose husband will you fuck? Yeah. yeah. Fuck, marry, kill the people closest to us. Well, it was all couples too at my party. So yeah, it was. You should have played fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants time. to be killed. Everyone wants to be fucked, but no one will say it. <laughs> Yours would have been great too, because it was like, Queer couples, like two queer couples and a straight couple. Totally. Fuck, Mary Kill would be really fun with them. Yeah, actually would have been. Yeah. Mm, next time. Shout out to Top Chef. He had some really good looks. Oh, Christmas my God. And New Year, so. Style icon, Top Chef the Poodle. Yeah, Christmas he wore the closest approximation to uh, what Rindy, Carol's daughter, wears in Carol. It's been mentioned on the podcast a few times. And I'm really glad I got to see it. Mm, and Finally. Um, of course, he pulled out his little can tux for New Year's Eve, as he likes to do. Well, he wore that last year. I saw him on New Year's I Eve know. and I was like... Repeated, repeated. I was like, Top Chef, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? <laughs> um, what else? I did another little annual tradition this year, which is uh, the Saturday Paper Quiz. Oh, my God. Season finale. Are you the most consistent guest on that on that annual quiz now. Oh, you and Dave. Me and Dave Lawson yeah. are. Yeah. Been there so, every year. Yeah, Bill, you did it last year. I was your partner last yes. year. Uh, so this year it was me, Zoe, uh, Dave, and Sarah Snook usually does it, um, Dave's partner, but Ryan Shelton did it instead. And it was such a fun time. I listened to it and it was very – I heard the moments when the three of you started to get really competitive mm -hmm. and Ryan having to be like, this is just fun guys. We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah. It did get really competitive. Anyway, it's always fun. And I think a fun listen. So we'll link that in the show notes. Very fun. Well. Listen, there was some pop culture, like pop or pop music stuff, maybe that I was like, God, I would have fucking killed this one. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But your actual partner, I guess, is allowed to be your partner on the podcast again. <laughs> well, yeah, she was the returning. She was returning. I was just her, your ring-in last year. No, it was really fun anyway. I was honoured to be your ring-in. Ring-in in the new year. <laughs> Ding dong. Ding dong. Speaking of ringing in the new year, we've got another live show, Jinxie. We're kicking off 2024. It's, uh, it's so soon. It's, it's like a month from today when we're recording. Oh my, oh my God, it is. It's also, I need to be clear with the listeners. It's my birthday party. My birthday party is see also at the Malthouse Outdoor Stage. And you were invited. You're and tickets invited. are on sale. Watch <laughs> me have a meltdown about having just turned 34. Yeah, and me bully her about only just turning 34 when I'm turning 44 this year. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> it will be so fun. It's, um, yeah, so it's happening Saturday, 3rd of February, 
uh, at the Malt House Outdoor Stage in the city. It's called See Also Al Fresco because we will be outside drinking cocktails and so will you. So will you, I hope, because we're going to hang out and I'm going to make everyone cheers to me. And we have some fucking fabulous guests. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Stella Mosgawa from Warpaint and from supporting Romy on her national <laughs> tour this week in Australia um, and Courtney Barnett, who... I'm just going to say it's a teaser. They've just experienced a very gripping TV reality TV journey that I'm going to force them to uh, repeat for everyone on mic at the live show. But yeah, they're obviously like complete icons and icons. we're so excited. Yeah, we are very, very excited. So tickets are now available from the Malt House website. We'll link it in the show notes. It's on Instagram uh, and listeners can use the code C also alfresco one word or lowercase C also alfresco for a discount ticket. Yeah. And all those details will be in the show notes if you forget, but yeah, we would love to see you. Please come to my birthday party. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, Jinxie, we spent like nine months last year talking about our goals for 2023. <laughs> so I feel like we need to like get it out of the way today. Uh, all right, let's do it. Where are you at? Where's your Q1 plan? Do you have a planner? Do you have a checklist? Do you have a imaginary, just like mental list of things that you're doing this year? I have been a little lax with my planning this year because I'm trying hard to give myself a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smart. Just because I know that as soon as work really starts up next week, then it's just all on for the next year. Yeah. So then, of course, you do have to plan and plan all that, blah, 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 blah. But um, have been doing some like major kind of planning by myself and with my partner about, you know, finance budgets blah 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 but real sexy stuff so sexy but the I don't know like you know I have like goals for myself I mean that's part of the reason why I've started doing abracadabra department Mm -hmm. newsletter again but yeah I'm really just focusing on writing and it's so boring but fitness how boring is focusing on fitness I'm doing the same thing yeah it's dull my apple watch broke on Christmas day and you know how much of a tracker I know I am and it's You're really a bloodhound for that stuff. I fucking love having data on myself. <laughs> the end of last year, I was like, it took on average, I finished a book in 4.6 days, but I only, re- anyway, my, my Apple watch broke and it tracked my steps and my workouts and blah, blah, blah. But I was kind of 
I'm not going to say I was obsessive about it, but I would kind of, you know, I'd be in the pool about to do a swim because I just wanted to, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to wash my hair that day. And, but I would not start until I had like the thing queued up on my Apple watch or like same with Pilates. If I was 10 minutes into a Pilates class, I'd be like, Oh fuck, I didn't track that. I'm doing a Pilates workout, Mm. but I know I'm doing a Pilates workout. Yeah. That should be enough. Yeah. And I had a friend last year be like, why do you need your watch to tell you that you've done this stuff? And I was like, I don't have a good answer for that. And so now I'm trying to like just kind of build that into my routine more than like kind of data-ifying it and like spreadsheeting that stuff. Is it just because you like the cumulative effect of it? Like you love to see the data piling up like, you know, you do three hours or like, I don't know, you do an hour of fitness three times a week or something Mm. and then like at the end of the month you're like, I did X amount. Mm. Is that it? Maybe, but I think there's also something, and this is, I'm sorry, a more uh, deep or like kind of revealing answer maybe, but like, I think because I've always, I don't look like someone who works out, like people don't look at me and go, she swims and does Pilates and Mm -hmm. is focusing on her fitness goals because I'm like a big person. I think I need it as like proof to myself or something. Yeah, sure. Or if I were to ever like show, like there was, you know, when I first did my like manic spreadsheeting in 2022, I would kind of do a little recap at the end of every month and post it on TikTok. And I think that was also like a, like having a public record Mm -hmm. of what I was doing. Maybe that skewed it a little bit for me where I felt like I needed to be really kind of militant about it. And so now I'm like, you know, I'm starting, um, or I'm like going to try to start lifting at the gym, which I've never done before. And, uh, like just really on my like strength and mobility this year. Cause I just don't want to get injured and yeah. yeah. Um, want to be able to lift shit up, but I'm also going to start playing tennis Same next week. I've booked a court. Great. Yeah. Oh my God, we should do doubles. I'm going to say my friend Anton and I are playing tennis together. And one of the big appeals is that we want to have like little sandwiches and Pim's cups afterwards. <laughs> I so, mean, that's cute. It's a cute time. Yeah. So there might be a lot of, a lot involved in like going to play tennis and not a whole lot of tennis playing, but we'll see. That's fine. Yeah. Start slow. Yeah. Also boring. I'm trying to eat more protein. Oh my God. <laughs> In the end, the end, I'm not saying more about it. So boring. <laughs> Turns out it's good for you and makes you feel good. Anyway, keep yeah, going. It does. Yeah. Yeah. How dull. Yeah. As a mostly vegan, important. Yeah. Oh my God. Totally. Where do you get your protein from? Like lentils, tofu, etc. Ah, chickpeas. Len- ah, okay. This is good for me to know because all anyone ever tells you is like meat. So, oh my God. I'm so sorry that we're talking about protein oh God, on the podcast. Maybe. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> what else? What else? What else? Um, I. Uh, I'm thinking more about spending this year again. God, same. Like last year I did talk about this a lot on the podcast, a polls, but you know, like ethical shopping and like really looking at what you're buying and where it's being made and mm. who it's being made by, where the, is the money going to? And I really love that there are so many labels in Australia, particularly in Melbourne that uh, have like very transparent um, ways of working and manufacturing, particularly like, uh, HB Archive, Caves Collect, uh, Koto, like they're all really good about mm-hmm. where everything comes from and blah, blah, blah. And so I really will always keep supporting those labels. And, yeah, so I'm just thinking about that. I'm just making sure it's like front of mind mm-hmm. and also working out like there's not a lot I need to buy. True. But I 
can still pick up a little fun, some fancy <laughs> items. Like, do you know what? Like it was New Year's Eve and I was suddenly panicked because I did not have an outfit planned for New Year's Eve. I just have to pull something out of my own wardrobe. But it was like a weird night in Melbourne. So it was like actually really cold. It was cold. I wasn't prepared. No. And so what I had thought I would wear. Anyway, I ended up pulling out. What was it? Uh, it was this black velvet um, Margiela long sleeve top Ooh. with like pearls in built into it. It's like oh. a pearl necklace and then like a pearl belt attached to the back. Chic. Yeah, that I should not have bought years ago, but we were shopping. I was shopping with our friend Emily and of course ended up she leaving the shop with it, right? <laughs> if anyone's ever been shopping with Emily, you know. Anyway, so I'm like, it's yeah. okay to buy these like crazy things every so often. It's fun. Yeah. Spending has been on my mind too because um, like freelance stuff has just been so uh, up and like a real roller coaster lately. And I think because I was forced into like being really careful with my money the last few months, I've now found shopping quite boring. Like it's not, I'm not getting the same thrill as I used to from like. Not getting that hit. Yeah. It's not scratching the itch anymore, mm. which is good, but it makes, it really makes me realize how much mindless spending mm. I have done over the last few. It was really like my lifeline during COVID. I was very lucky to work more than ever during COVID and partly panicking that it was all going to be taken away at any moment. But like my thrill was the deliveries every day. And yeah. I'm now making all these connections between like, like I'm, I'm starting to feel really calm when I see that my like skincare cabinet isn't bursting at the seams and it just has the stuff that I need to use, you know, mm-hmm. like I've paired back and I'm, I'm not just mindlessly buying stuff cause I want to try it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm connecting more, I think to like, um, you know, I've canceled some subscriptions cause I'm like, I don't need to watch everything. I don't need to like consume everything. Nobody and does. it's good for me to not be in front of the TV all the time <laughs> and doing other things instead. And maybe this is just third of January, me talking and by like mid June, I'll just be on the couch all day. But, um, I, you know, I'm thinking about like the connection between the stuff that I own now and money as well. Like the cost of having to store all my possessions, having to have an apartment, the size that I do having the amount of clothes that I have and just like always be always purging. I'm always getting rid of stuff. I'm always hoping to have a market stall to like sell stuff and be Mm -hmm. cleansed of it only to start accumulating again. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Like low key hoarding. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've lived in this apartment, it'll be three years in May, and there hasn't been one time that I haven't had at least a small pile of stuff I'm in the process of getting rid of. I can attest, you that is, yeah. I always see it, yeah. Yes. It's true, but I'm the same. Yeah. And, like, that's actually one of my things this week is I'm going to go through my wardrobe for, like, the umpteenth time and, and take some things out that I'm mm. no longer, no longer working well for me, you mm. know? Um, if I can recommend my most recent cleanse, I got rid of more stuff than ever because I actually tried everything on, oh. which usually I just skipped past the stuff I knew mm-hmm. I wanted, I quote unquote knew I wanted to keep and had made it through every purge, but I actually took it out and put it on my body with a bra on, with tights on, if it was a short dress or whatever, the way that I would normally wear it. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, this is why I never wear this thing because mm-hmm. it doesn't look good or it doesn't fit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, yeah, I just need to go through it. Um, I'm well aware that it's, my closet is bursting and it's mostly striped shirts. Let's be real. (laughs) 
and I will keep every single one of them and continue to buy them. That is okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a fun thing on my Q1. Well, okay. It's not really Q1 specifically, but um, have you ever heard of this thing called the 90 day year or the 12 week year? No. It's like a business bro thing, I think. It's like National Novel Writing Month or something? No, or maybe because <laughs> it's kind of cringe to say it out loud. But um, it's essentially this idea that like we can set a goal for ourselves for the next 12 months, but in order to enact it you need steps leading up to it and so the idea is that you break it down into like you have your annual your goal of things you want to do all year or by the end of the year and then you go okay in 12 weeks what progress do I want to have made towards it Mm -hmm. and then so you set like a kind of sub goal and then you write down five strategies or priorities or steps to take to do that and so for my like and like long-term like fitness goal. I don't really have an end point, but like generally fitness and health. And so my priorities that I figured out were like, okay, look into booking a tennis court, like get the equipment that you need, like start reading that like ebook about lifting for like women who are starting from scratch and have never touched a barbell before. Mm-hmm. Like, and so the little steps that it takes to get you there so that it feels like manageable and bite-sized. Yeah, it's and, achievable. Yeah. And so I've got a few that are about like finance and fun stuff, but one finance and fun stuff. I know. I was Two like, is things. the finance the fun stuff? So the finance leads into the fun stuff, which is a fucking holiday, which I haven't Ooh, had in so many years. I love this for you. Because any excess income I have just goes towards like savings yeah. or debt or a buffer for freelance hard times or whatever. Keeping up Carol's lavish lifestyle. Truly. She's a diva. But um, I want to go to uh, Southeast Asia. I've never been. And Amazing. There's, the, uh, there's a long list of places I want to go, but starting with Thailand. Great. Maybe in a few months. Perfect. So I've got like my 12 weeks savings goals yeah. for that, which feels very soon. That's really great. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, this is something that we Jinxie and I were having a drink right before we recorded this podcast. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to wait to tell you that I did this on the mic. But this morning I got up at three 55 AM. I set an alarm so that I could be online when the expressions of interest kind of applications opened to go and see Michael Heiser's city in Nevada. Oh, which was this morning at four Oh one AM Melbourne time. And and apparently you don't find out until March if you get it, but you just like put in your date, like where you're from. So obviously I put in, I'm coming from Australia and you put in the dates that you, you have like five or six options mm-hmm. that you can choose from. Cause they take six people three days a week from like April till November. And so I picked the October and November dates because it's going to be less hot in Nevada in mm-hmm. October and November than in the middle of the year. And it also gives me more time to save. Yeah, cool. And so if I can, if I get that, I'm going to build a trip around it. I want to go to like Georgia O'Keeffe's house. and Gorgeous. I've always wanted to do that. Maybe I'll go to Colorado to um, that restaurant that Trey Parker and Matt Stone spent $40 million bringing back. <laughs> Goals. Maybe I'll go to Utah and like <gasps> see the SLC. Like who knows? Like I kind of want to book like – a fucking silly, kooky American holiday and not just do LA and New York. Yeah, that sounds really ideal. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to build some fun into my life. That's really great. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll be a little bit in in America this year, which I'm excited about. A little bit America. A little bit America. 
But yeah, like working out, travel, like travel is obviously such a massive part of my job, mm-hmm. but also like a great part of your job. Yeah. But, and, and like my partner's job, but also just like what we both like to do the most of like anything. Yeah. Like I love, I, you know, I get very itchy feet and yeah, to keep that up a little bit and just like working out what's reasonable in a year where mortgage prices have gone up so much and yeah 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 you know like what little things can we do and yeah um I really just want to go back to India you really do you've already put it in the calendar it's in the calendar (laughs) I gotta go back and see my Guruji you gotta go yeah I'm thinking quite a bit about what the Guruji told me actually when I'm planning my Q1 oh yeah yeah Oh, good to know. Yeah, although he did say that I have bad short-term memory because of the feng shui in my bedroom. Oh. But my bedroom is, like, too small to move things around. Like, I yes. can't really move. Sometimes there are not many options no. of where the bed can go. So I'm sorry, but the short-term memory is still just going to be a thing. Guruji's listening to this and he's so mad. Like, God, <laughs> if this is, like, the first episode of this podcast that people are tuning in, they're like, I thought that these were two chatty gals talking about pop culture and here they are talking about gurus and budgets. Budgets. I mean, look, I'm... A- if this is your first time listening, it's not always like this, but also it is because <laughs> spreadsheets are my personality. Uh, but we are going to be talking about what we've watched and a particular film very soon. Yeah, just a sec. Um, okay, I need. Just a sec. There's two more things, and they're both connected because mm-hmm. they're about reading. Okay. Um, so you'll know that when I started doing my spreadsheet two years ago, one of I can't believe it was two years ago. Mm. One of the things that I really focused on was um, tracking when I the days that I picked up a book because truly months would go by without me reading, and so it really like putting myself in competition with myself was the only way that I got any reading done at all. And it is something that I genuinely enjoy, but the tracking of it helps to um, like remind me to put my fucking phone down and it really makes me feel better. Um, And so I've already finished one book this year. But don't you have to pick your phone up to track the stuff that you're doing? But I can do that when I'm done, you know, because otherwise I'll like, look something up on my phone and then two hours later I'll be like, oh, fuck, I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Um, Tracking feels like work to me and like yeah, reading okay. is not work. So I don't, well, it can be, but. So the tracking for me is more like ticking something off a list. Right. It's like a, uh, you know, it's like a checklist on a spreadsheet rather than like, I don't know, data entry or something. And I really, but I do like getting the data at the end of the year because like last year I read 30 books and all in all, I only read for 140 days out of the year, not even half the year, how, more than half the year. I did not even pick up a book more than 200 days last year. I didn't pick up a book, but I read 30 books. So yeah. I'm like, oh, imagine if I do a little more, I read for a few more days a month. You I could get read. through all these fucking books behind me that I've bought and not read. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've already finished one this year and I'm like almost done with an audio book and it's the 3rd of January. I feel really good about myself. That's very good. Yeah. And isn't it cute how we both approach life so differently? We're so different, but so similar <laughs> also at the same time. <laughs> okay. I think next week we'll be talking about one of my favorite movies, 
of the moment, mm-hmm. Poor Things, Bart BL. And one of my favourite TV shows of the moment, Real Housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City, oh whose finale episode is airing as we record <gasps> this right now. So this is a, a advance warning to catch up. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about spoilers. Go see Poor Things in the cinema and catch up Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. You can get it done in a week if you haven't started Get it done. Perfect season of reality TV, if you ask me. But, BL, you watch so many things. You've been watching a lot. I sure have. And the standout thing that I've watched, Kate, is a little movie called Wonka. (laughs) It's... It's just not what I expected of you. Me neither. Like months ago <laughs> when we made our, you know, like look behind the curtain, Kate and I look at like release dates for things, the Australian release dates for things. And we like plot <laughs> when what we're going to talk about when on the podcast. And Jinxie had put in like holiday movies, Wonka, etc. And I remember looking at it and being like, I'm not fucking seeing Wonka. I'm a grown woman. Spoiler alert. I went and saw Wonka because it was the only thing on when I had a cleaner in my house and I had to make myself scarce for two hours. And guess what? Wonka fucking rocks. Oh my God, BL. I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it yet. And I am trying to keep my enthusiasm levels down because it look, it does not look very good. Well, I agree. And (laughs) (laughs) like the cringe of the trailer of Timmy being like, come with me. (laughs) Sorry. And then, you know, obviously like Gen Z people are going to see it and like filming the screen because no one can put their fucking phones away for five seconds in a cinema. And so I'd seen like the opening shot of him like singing on a boat as it pulls into like the harbor of like the fantastical world where it's set. And I was like, God, this looks terrible. Turns out. It's great. Timmy is, okay, two things that I have said to everyone as a disclaimer. Uh Timmy is really miscast. I think they needed someone more, I'm not just saying this because of the memes of how he looks Mm. like Gene Wilder, but someone more like a Jeremy Allen White, someone who's a little freaky. Yeah, you need a freak. Someone who's got kind of like weird eyes or looks like they're maybe a bit jaundiced or like isn't a, I know Timmy's skinny, but he's still a hunk. And he's an arty hunk. And that's not Wonka. That's not Wonka. That's not the Willy we know. And so I think as much as he was great and his theatre kid really jumped out, I think they needed someone a little kookier. Mm -hmm. But he was really – he turned in a stellar performance and he did a lot of singing. And I will say, I know some people did not expect Wonka to be a musical. And that's understandable because they didn't market it as such. And the songs are few and far between to the point where at one point there's like a giraffe, there's a scene with a giraffe and a song starts, someone starts singing. And I literally was like, oh, fuck, I forgot it's a musical. So the songs aren't like overpowering in that way, they're, but they're unfortunately not iconic. Mm. So you're not getting Charlie and the Chocolate Factory level of like iconic songs you're not getting i want it now you're not getting i want it now there are not enough divas in this movie Mm. but you are getting sally hawkins okay and you are getting livia coleman not livia coleman saying the word a (laughs) beefer and saying she's gonna go get her lips done i mean it's 
I was cackling. I was on my own in the theater and there was a family of five behind me and that was it. <laughs> and I was having a great time. All right. Okay. I will I'll see Wonka. I'll see Wonka for you. <laughs> Sorry if I just yelled into your earphones. Yeah. Like I, I five, truly I gave it five stars. I said to my friend yesterday. Five stars. I, you just said that the songs were bad. Kate, it's such a good movie. I cried. There's you a bit of something end- five stars if you think an element is bad that bad it's a musical i didn't say they were bad i said they weren't iconic in that they're not memorable all right i stand corrected i stand corrected rewind (laughs) i might have said they were bad i very well could have said they were bad but i thought it was it was a great movie it was it felt like a christmas movie because it was like cold Mm -hmm. and chocolate is christmas (laughs) chocolate is christmas um hugh grant uh, like I have friends who are very tickled by Hugh Grant's performance. I wasn't one of them. I was like, sure, he's an oompa loompa. Okay, I'm waiting for Paddington three because it's like the Paddington guy who made these this movie, and it felt very Paddington. Oh, I like Paddington. Kids movie that adults will also really enjoy and not be furious that it's being played on repeat. All right. What more could you freaking want from a Wonka? Not Timothy Chalamet as Wonka. Fair. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I feel like Gene, oh, Gene Wilder's dead, isn't he? I was about to say, I feel like Gene Wilder should have had a cameo. Is Gene Wilder dead? Didn't he die a few years ago? Oh. Can you check? We'll keep this in. I'm pretty sure. Didn't he? I don't know. God, I... Because if like he's I'm... alive, he should have been in it. But if he died, it's okay that he's not. Mm. Kate's Googling. I'm Googling. Oh, he died in 2016. That was a year that a lot of people died, wasn't it? Oh, Bowie, Prince... Oh, God, was it that long ago? Yeah. R.I.P. to a queen. R.I.P. to a, a freaky icon. Oh, I know. His yeah, like you relationship don't... with Gilda Radner, just one oh of the most my iconic God. things to have ever happened. Stop, I'm going to cry again. Just like I did in Wonka. Um, <laughs> BL. But yeah, it's a great movie. Okay. I, like, I really can't wait for you to see it. And I really hope you don't hate it. <laughs> but if you do, that's all right. That's okay. I'm still going to love it. Yeah, that's you can. I'm Wonka pilled. It was better than Barbie. I'll tell you what. I rewatched Barbie again. I thought I'm going to give this another chance. Worse the second time. Okay. Do you know what a film that I actually wasn't even like giving it a second chance because I really liked it the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. but rewatched it on New Year's Day and I'm very upset with myself that I didn't include it into in my top 10. It was only an honorable mention, but God, Asteroid City was really great. Yeah, we did both mention it in passing, didn't we? Yeah, like it was just, I was really moved by it. Uh, but like more this time, more this time, because I think the first time I was just trying to work out the meta yes. machinations of the entire thing. Like, like, is this a show? Is the this theater, a TV show? show? Is this the a theater? Movie, yeah. Um, and so I got to kind of leave that all behind a little bit. Yeah. And there's just like, I don't know, there's grief and sorrow and ambition and beautiful performances i think it's like it's so sad that it's one of those uh, that you know the way that we talk about wes anderson films now is just like yeah uh, like oh it's like ai could do whatever and yeah he really is like a victim of his own success in a way right like that his style 
his style is so inherently his own that it's almost working against him in people's like perceptions of his work now. Truly, but like you watch it and you're like looking at how he does the tracking shots and how he oh. does all these different sort of compositions and they are really difficult. Like it's a really difficult film to make. Yeah. Like Asteroid City. There are so many moving parts. Well, the production design and the performances on top of all that. Yeah. I just, anyway, if you, if you didn't get around to seeing it, um, highly recommend. Is it streaming? Yes, I think you have to pay on Disney okay. Plus or something. Um, but my girlfriend and I, well, she really has this list that um, started a few years ago of like films that she's like I've said like, oh, you should see this. Like I've already seen. Mm-hmm. And so we have this like very like long running list and we've decided to like actually tackle it. I love that. And so just before New Year's we watched What's Up Doc, Barbara Streisand. I'd never seen it before. I've never seen either. You must. Okay. A perfect slapstick comedy. Okay. And uh, on News Day, we watched Asteroid City, Theatre Camp, because she hadn't seen it, and a film that I had never actually seen, and neither had she, Signs. I've never seen Signs either. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'll give this I M. heard Night someone Shyamalan talking look. about Signs recently. What were they talking about? In rela- they were, it was in relation to a new movie that I really liked. I forget. Well, it just it wasn't great. Actually, huh? Um, the dialogue is your friend M Night made a not a great movie. Well, this cast is it's fucking stacked. It's, it's like Mel Joaquin, Gibson, right? Yeah, Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Abigail Breslin, uh-huh. the other Culkin, Rory Culkin. Yeah, uh-huh. you know the one that doesn't is not quite as good as the brothers. Have we talked about on the pod how Abigail Breslin's brother was Grace Tame's first husband? I, whoa, I did not know that. Yeah. Are you for real? Spencer Breslin of Cat in the Hat fame. It was Grace Tame's husband. She got married at like 19 or 20 when she was living in LA to Spencer Breslin. <laughs> what? I did not know that. Australian of the year, in case international listeners are like, who's Grace Tame? Wow. Australian of the year, like a victim's rights advocate. Yeah. Icon of icon. Australia. Um, yeah, was married to Spencer Breslin. When she was like 19 years old. That is so weird and I love it. Yeah. Well, I was looking into Rory Culkin, going like, what happened oh, yeah. to that one? And um He, he was, was in Scream. Yes. Yeah. But he was maybe in a relationship, it seems a bit unclear on the internet, with Val Kilmer's son a few decades ago. Wait, what? We got they a were, gay Culkin? Well, they were by Culkin. Okay. He was in the Queer Culkin. He was in a movie with I'm sorry, Val Kilmer, son, I don't know your name. Yeah. Um, Sean Kilmer. And, yeah, they were in a film together, but on, like, Rory's Wikipedia, it's listed as, like, a relationship. Wow. And then he got married to a a cinematographer, female cinematographer, and then left her for another female cinematographer. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, it's got a type. And people say there are no women working behind the scenes. <laughs> Rory Culkin's married two of them. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but aside from them in Signs, uh, Merritt Weaver is in it, super young. Uh, uh, my queen, Merritt. Well, as soon as she appeared on the screen, I was like, oh, it's uh, – oh, uh, I couldn't remember her name. But we have to do a poodle on the hairy bird some point this year, I'm saying it now. Absolutely. Um, and Cherry Jones. Okay, I'm watching Signs tonight after Salt Lake City. You should. And look, the, just the dialogue's wow bad. I mean. Wow, wow, wow bad. Yeah, okay. But it was fun. Like, it was fun. It was yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. All fine. right, all right, all right. Yeah. Huh. Um, what about TV? 
I haven't been watching a whole lot of TV. I'm a bit behind on The Curse. Same, that's great. And I know you're going to do a full binge of The Curse once it's all finished. It's a real kooky show, but um, I've yeah. been enjoying it and watching Emma Stone in that. And also I know we'll get to poor things next week. Maybe we'll talk The Curse later on. Um, so I won't mention it too much now. Uh, the Crown is kind of the big thing that I've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, they dropped the first four episodes that were like the – Debicki episodes like leading up to Diana's death and her funeral before Christmas. Debicki sounds like such a bad rap name. Debicki. <laughs> Darbicki. Darbicki. The real Australian one. That's her, that's her rap name. Darbicki. Um, the Biscuit. Uh, she is phenomenal, obviously, as uh, as Di. Um but I found myself – I had this really weird response to watching those first four episodes where it, The Crown made me feel really like – I don't know, not complicit – complicit's not the right word, but like fucking icky because I was essentially just watching these four episodes being like waiting for her to die – waiting to mm. watch her die and it made me feel really fucked up um, and it, it kind of rattled me a little bit. I don't want to sound like too precious or sensitive, but I was like, that was such a like world changing kind of shocking moment. And we've just spent all this time with two different actors portraying this real person whose death is still affecting the people like her children. Mm. Um, and just watching it play out like that, and it felt very tabloidy, I think, in the way that they handled it. And it also felt kind of true crimey. Like, and now they're in this, um, you know, they sh- they film Dodie and Die and the driver in this like back alley or the back corridor before they get into the car that ultimately takes them to their deaths. And it's like, oh, they've shot this like the CCTV footage that everyone's really familiar with. Cause mm. it was like the final moments that they were seen. And so like, I just felt really kind of icked by it. And then after she died, um, they kind of bring her back as a ghost. And so, oh. so then it's kind of the crown having their kind of narrative flourish, dramatic flourishes of being like, you know, Diana speaking to people from the dead. And I just, I felt really, it, it wasn't great. That doesn't sound like the, see, I dropped off a while ago, but that does not sound like the crown that I used to watch. Yeah. It's almost like they had to go from like the established facts to like the emotion of it or something. And they kind of continue that with the final episodes where they bring Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman back as the past versions of uh, Queen Elizabeth, who's in the final seasons played by Imelda Staunton. Um, and I think it was supposed to be this like really big emotional, like weight dropping or something. And it just didn't do it for me. I think I, I almost feel like it overstayed its welcome a little bit by the end. Yeah. Um, just watch Spencer. Truly. Yeah. I came like, I, I didn't, after the Diana episodes left me with that feeling, I was like, I'm not going to watch the end of this. I don't mm. really need to. Oh wow. So it really icked you that much. But then I did <laughs> <laughs> because after I got home from Christmas and I had a few days hung over on the couch, I was like, all right, what else am I going to watch for six hours? You are nothing if not a completist. I, I truly am. I yeah. finished the Mindy project for God's sakes. The worst <laughs> TV did anybody else? series of all time. Um, but I was kind of waiting for it to be over. And I think that the in re, because the death of Queen Elizabeth and the coronation of her foul son happened so recently in our memory that it kind of took the wind out of the show a little bit maybe. Yeah. Like 
it the show finishes in 2005 right. with Charles and Camilla's wedding and it's like uh, William's met Kate and Harry's worn the swastika to the party and da 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 and so this big final plot move in the final episode is the queen giving her blessing for Charles to marry Camilla um Dominic West is really great as uh, Charles but way too handsome um and then she's written this speech that she's going to give at their wedding and she won't tell anyone what's in the speech. No one's seen the speech. And so she's written this speech, handing over, stepping down and handing over to Charles because she's, she thinks that the monarchy is, comes to, has come to be represented by like decrepit old people. Mm-hmm. And by the time she dies, Charles will be a decrepit old person, yeah. which is what has happened. And so then there's like the ghosts of Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman coming to like give her to their two cents, like the kind of angel and devil on her shoulder of her past selves. Oh, I don't need this. And the final shot is just her walking out of, I think it's Westminster Abbey or like a giant church, but it takes like six minutes. Or something. <laughs> I was like, I don't care anymore, babe. This was 18 years ago. Is it 18 years ago? 18 years ago. And like, we know you didn't do it. Yeah. So like end of series, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I just, I was like, uh, I could watch the Josh O'Connor, Emma Corrin and the Dabiki years. And Dabiki. Dabiki. Um, can't wait to see Dabiki in concert supporting <laughs> the Kid Leroy. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I unfortunately also completed a show that wasn't great. Mm. Um, I unfortunately watched all of Squid Game The Challenge. <laughs> I I shouldn't have. I got addicted to it. Um, How many episodes? I couldn't tell you, but too many. Okay. And it's like, it's awful to have a dystopian game show drama turn into an actual game show. A fictional one turned (laughs) documentary. But people really were competing for $4.5 million. What the fuck? Yeah. And the production design is very high. Okay. But then also, like, when a player is eliminated, as they say, like, a squib goes off under their uniform and so it looks like they've been shot. No. Yeah, they've, like, I watched the making of as well and it was, like, talking about what colour they would use. So it's, like, black, like, squid ink. Anyway, so it's not, like... Okay, so they pussied out of making it blood. <laughs> pretty much, but then, like, the players all kind of drop dramatically to the floor as if they've actually been... So, okay, so I never watched Squid Game, but it's... They're, they're killed, right, when they get yeah, eliminated? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're actually killed on the yeah. drama show. Um, and so... And it's, like, a very much people who are just so desperate for this money that would risk their lives for it. And you get to know the characters and why they are competing for it. And in this show, it's like the same, but they're not risking their lives. Mm. And there are some really good characters that you follow, but also so much of it is so random. So like, as soon as you get attached to someone, they're out. Mm. So it just is not, it just was not a satisfying watch. It was just absolutely like, it was real fluff. And I'm like, Oh, I could get that time back. Did you like who the person who won? I won't say. Is that a no? In case someone is watching it. No, because I think it would be kind of obvious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I don't want to ruin someone's is viewing. Is Squid Game kind of like Hunger Games where there are like real stakes and. Yeah, but it's like less fantasy in that way. Sure. It's Squid Game, like the 
Korean drama is actually a really good show. It's uh-huh. so well made. It's really well scripted. The lead actor is fantastic. Like, highly recommend watching it. Yeah. But don't waste your time on this one. Yeah, okay. And there are so many pieces of, like, this is actually great TV. And it's, like, it kind of – the first two episodes, they are. And then it just kind of eats away its soul a little bit. Yeah. I also watched um, Leave the World Behind, which I was very excited to see. Needed to see our I boy. hyped it up a lot. Yeah, I needed to see our boy Ethan in his – Bikini Kill Yes. But I I thought it was fun, but it just wasn't a patch on the book. Mm. I felt like it had no air in it. Like mm. the book was so open to trauma and disaster and like what was actually happening, mm. whereas they tried to make it a bit too neat in their film version. Mm. I felt like maybe the Obama production notes coming in made it a bit more yeah. like political or governmental yeah it was much more um like the film was much more specific about it having been a cyber incident yeah which i really appreciated in the book how there was like technology was freaking out but so was nature yes and like nature was freaking out in the show but when you explain that away as being a cyber incident and all the teslas and stuff i was like that why did the deer and flamingo care about your big cyber incident? Yeah, like sounds. I don't know, but yeah, look, I, I, I like, really I wouldn't say were, don't watch it. Like, I think it was yeah. it was a fun watch yeah. for sure. But like, if you haven't read the book, read the book. And I know you totally. loved the book. I loved the book, and I I told someone I think yesterday who was asking me like, do I need to read the book before I watch the movie? And I was like, if you're gonna do both, do it in that order. But um, you could do either one and be satisfied, I think, because I I really liked the movie um, and I found it kind of a separate thing to the book, I think, because obviously the book is told from the first person. And so there's like that interiority that you just are never going to get with a film that doesn't have like cringe voiceover exposition. Mm. But... I think the changes that they made, like making Mahershala Ali's character younger, giving him kind of like a 20 something daughter instead of an older wife. And so that dynamic there and her being kind of like bottle rocket about to go off at any point and really testing them. I just thought that was really sick. And like, I loved the final scene with the, yeah. the daughter I thought was just like one of my favorite things I've seen. Yeah. But it was also really satisfying in the book as well. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just love the book so much, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It was a um, great read. A good like day and a half, two day holiday yeah. read too. Have you watched Nyad yet? Is Nyad out? It's streaming. It's oh. like a Netflix film. Oh my God. Signs, Nyad and Salt Lake City tonight. That's oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We, let's talk about Nyad maybe next week. So many things came out on the, over the holidays. Book Club 2. Mafia Mama, 80 for Brady. I've seen so those. many things. <laughs> I have seen. What was the first one? Signs. Book Club no, 2. Book Club two. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen Mafia Mama. Um, I didn't know you'd saw Mafia Mama. Oh, I watched half of it on a plane. Okay. I couldn't finish it. You don't need to. Yeah, okay. Um, Book Club 2, though. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. It's Kuchina. a great time. Yeah. Kuchina. Nyad, Annette Benning, and Jodie Foster playing like older athletic lesbians is Ugh. just and who aren't even together they're just best friends oh my god wait what uh, yeah, oh okay okay <sighs> yeah. is this on netflix yeah it's on netflix all right well that's me done yeah it's it's not that well directed but it's a great performances okay i mean you didn't have to sell me i'm excited for naiad 80 for naiad <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah don't watch 80 for brady even not yeah. even for the guy fieri cameo 
I didn't know, guy. Jigsy, you just sold it to me, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh my god, time for also also. It's been a while. It has been a while. Okay, so my incredibly festive cocktail from New Year's, but it would have worked really well at the holiday cocktail party I had, is the Cherry 75. It's like a cherry take on a French 75, which is gin, lemon juice, simple syrup. Mm-hmm. And so this is gin, lemon juice, a generous splash of maraschino cherry syrup, mm. like from the jar, topped off with champagne. And a maraschino cherry served in a coupe glass. Ooh. It's like slightly pink. Oh, it's a lovely, a lovely looking drink. Oh, love her. Uh, I am on the lookout for some, like a jar of sour cherries, if you see any on your travels, because I'd like to try a slightly more sour version. Mm-hmm. But the lemon actually balances out that sweetness of the maraschino yeah. syrup anyway. But I it, can looks, imagine. it looks gorgeous, tastes lovely. It's quite 60s, quite retro. I can picture her. Mm. Love her. My first uh, recommendation is for Hillvale, and this is like 10 years worth of recommendations all in one um, because I've been getting my film developed there since pretty much since they opened. If you're not aware, Hillvale is an uh, independent photo lab here in Melbourne created by photographers, specifically Andy Johnson and Jason Hamilton, the friends behind it and friends of mine for photographers, get all your holiday film developed or your shutterbug tendencies throughout the year. Um, and it's not just like my very amateur 35 mil stuff that they do. They specialize in like scanning all kinds of formats, 120, like medium format slides, black and white, C41, other numbers and letters that I don't know what they mean. Um, they have a lab in Brunswick and they have, um, they kind of created this Dropbox system for film developing. So you can basically drop your film off to be developed at places all over Melbourne and there are some interstate as well. You can post your roles to them uh, online. They have a form that you can download and print off and fill out. Um, But yeah, if you go to Brunswick to their lab, they've got a vending machine of like disposable cameras and film rolls that you can get as well when they're not open. Um, And they just opened a Dropbox to drop your film off at Peter Monty's shout out. Um, But yeah, I love them. I love Hillvale and it's really handy to like, get your little invoice sent to your email, you pay it and you know as soon as you pay it, you're going to get a Dropbox link with all your scans. Oh, so good. Such a good system and they're so sweet. That's one thing I – that's my Q1 to Q4 is more photos not on my phone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a very good tip. I'll take it. My next one is a newsletter that you can subscribe to. It's free. It's by Katie Merchant. It's called Thank You Okay. I've had like a parasocial relationship with this chick since like the early 2010s. Uh, She had a blog of the same name uh, while she was living in Korea. She's Canadian. Mm. And uh, then she moved over to Instagram where I've followed her. Many of our listeners would be following her on Instagram. She has impeccable style uh, and she always posts about really great films and um yeah she revamped her newsletter very recently on Substack and it's got like things like little delicacies that she's cooking mm. she's always baking i think mm-hmm. you'd appreciate that uh like very nice knitwear good film stills okay. favorite flowers she's a real romantic i'm here for that very you so it's thank you okay.substack.com 
love. I have a recommendation for my current favorite weekly podcast, Sad It's Only Weekly. Uh, now I know how our listeners feel. Uh, it's the Daddy Diaries podcast, Andy Cohen's. It's like a little recap of his Sirius XM, no, Sirius XM radio show. Um, so you might remember a little while ago, I recommended Andy's audio book, The Daddy Diaries, which not only is him being like a celebrity gay dad in New York and like all of the visits to the Brodericks and SJ household that come with that <laughs> getting stoned and having dinner with Amy Sedaris, etc. Like it's a joy um, behind the scenes, housewives, goss, etc. But he does a radio show with his uh, close friend and ex John Hill, and they're now releasing it on this feed as a weekly podcast. And so you get to hear stuff like what happened when he took his son, Ben to the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade and Ben freaked out in front of Cher and like when Madonna <laughs> called Andy a troublemaking queen on stage at Madison Square Garden recently, you get to hear his whole side of that interaction, what he actually heard from the crowd and what he didn't. Um, and so it's just like a treat every time there's like a little blue dot next to it on Spotify. I get a thrill. That sounds quite fun. It's really fun. Where does he find the time? Listening to his diaries, you're really like, oh, this is a man whose day used to start at midday and go into like, like he has friends dropping over for a nightcap well into the night every night. And then the transition when he had Ben and now baby Lucy to having to be up early in the morning pre-taping a whole lot of watch what happens so that he's not like out late drinking every night. Like it's real, it's a real glimpse into like, how he makes it work. Mm, I'm how intrigued. does he do it? How does he do it? Surely he can't have it all. <laughs> uh, my last one is just for our New York City listeners. Uh, Pam Pan is a theatre company from Ireland and they their show, The First Bad Man, a book club based on the novel by Miranda July, that's the full title, oh. uh, is part of Under the Radar Festival at Lincoln Centre. Uh, I've been following it for a little while, this new work. There was a, they were devising it in London recently and um, it started during the pandemic. Anyway, uh, I haven't seen it, so I'll give you a little glimpse of their like what they've said about it. Mm -hmm. It's if you haven't read it, don't worry. The real story is the club itself more than just a staging of scenes from the book or a literary dissection. The first bad man is an immersive comedic and occasionally combative exploration of the intersections between the play's characters and its inspirations. So the first bad man is one of my favorite novels of the last couple of years. I mean, I can't remember how long it came out now. Mm. I'm excited about her new book, this year, but the reason I'm actually really excited about it is that it was co-created by and stars friend of the show, Mish Grigor, mm. uh, who is a, one of the most brilliant performers and um, one of my very favorite people in the world to talk to about art and ideas. And so I just know that this would be brilliant. It starts Friday, 5th of Jan, runs till Sunday, 13th of Jan. So a small window in New York, but yeah, it's on at the Lincoln Center. Oh my God. Shout out Mish. That sounds amazing. Um, my last one is also a newsletter jinxie this time by journalist Anne Friedman, who I have also been following for many, many years online. She taught me how to be an editor and a, a freelancer long before we ever met and became friends. Um, and Anne 
is kind of like the OG journalist to newsletter content creator. Um, you might know her from hosting the podcast Call Your Girlfriend. Um, ah. And she, yeah, and she co- with Aminatu So, she, they co-wrote the book Big Friendship together and they stopped doing the podcast a year or two ago. Um, but Anne has kept up with her weekly newsletter. But she is now sending out pre-written, serialized kind of chapters, I guess, of this very long piece about parenting and being a parent because she is on maternity leave. She's pregnant and having a baby. And so each time her newsletter arrives in your inbox, it has, uh, you know, the latest installment in this very long essay. And she's written a lot about like abortion rights and like women's rights and feminism and politics and all of these things, um, for many years. And so I think applying that to the first person is like really interesting ground for like a journalist to cover. So the link that I'm going to put in the show notes of all the also also is from this week. Um, this one goes to the page where you can sign up, but there's also an archive page there. So, um, you can go back and read the first few installments of this series that she's sending out every week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're not following us on Instagram yet, I don't know what you're doing. It's see also podcast. And uh, there's a link there to sign up to the Patreon. If you're not yet a member of the hog hive, it's not that expensive. And there's a bunch of bonus episodes already waiting there, including an ad free version of this episode. And just another little reminder about our very exciting live event. See also Alfresco, which is on sale now. It's happening at the Malthouse Outdoor Stage on Saturday, 3rd of February. It's coming up. Make that your Q1 goal. Truly. Then you can tick it off by the 4th of February. So you're done. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) So we do have a code for listeners to get a little discount it's see also alfresco a reminder that our guests are courtney barnett and stella mozgawa it's going to be a fun a time it's going to be really chic and as ever thanks so much to samuel hodge for the imagery and harvey sutherland for our original theme music see you next week see you next week bye bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.